The chapter of Isaiah 53 stands as a deep mystery within the drapery of biblical prophecy, presenting the figure of the suffering servant with compelling depth and complexity. Written centuries before the advent of Christ, this passage serves as a cornerstone in understanding the Messiah's paradoxical role, embracing suffering and rejection to fulfill divine purposes. The ambiguous nature of this servant, who is both despised and exalted, reveals the depths of God's redemptive plan for humanity, a plan that subverts worldly expectations of power and glory. Isaiah 53 is nestled in the broader context of Isaiah's prophecies, which oscillate between judgments upon nations for their iniquities and the glorious hope of redemption. The suffering servant emerges as a beacon of this hope, though in a manner that confounds the conventional wisdom of the time. Unlike earthly kings or warriors adorned with majesty and strength, this servant is marked by humility, suffering, and an unassuming presence that belies his monumental impact on history and salvation. His is a path characterized by bearing the weight of humanity's transgressions, a silent submission to unjust suffering, and ultimately, a triumph that brings redemption to many. This passage challenges believers to re-evaluate their perceptions of strength, victory, and redemption. It beckons us to delve into the mystery of a God who chooses to work through weakness and suffering, offering himself as a sacrifice for sin. The conundrum of the suffering servant thus becomes a pivotal reflection point for faith, compelling us to explore the intricate interplay between divine sovereignty and sacrificial love. As we ponder the depths of Isaiah 53, we are invited into a deeper comprehension of the nature of God's kingdom, one that stands in stark contrast to the kingdoms of this world, showcasing a paradigm of power made perfect in weakness. First of all, Isaiah 53, 1, 3 presents a paradox that has puzzled readers and theologians for centuries, embodying the deep puzzle of the suffering servant. This passage confronts us with the blunt reality of disbelief and rejection faced by the servant, whose mission was to bear the iniquities of humanity. The opening rhetorical question, who has believed our report, resonates through the ages as a lamentation of the pervasive incredulity that greeted the servant's ministry. It chews a thorough disillusionment with the human condition, one demonstrated by blindness and deafness to the divine revelation represented in the servant's suffering. The description of the servant growing up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground employs vivid botanical imagery to emphasize his humble origins and the unlikelihood of his appearance as a source of salvation. This image evokes a sense of fragile beauty arising from desolation, suggesting that the most weighty divine interventions often manifest in the least expected forms and places. Despite the servant's divine appointment, his lack of outward majesty or beauty further exemplifies the theme of divine reversal present throughout the scriptures. God's kingdom is not one of ostentatious power or glory, but of humility, suffering, and service. This passage reaches its emotional and theological climax in the servant's complete rejection by humanity. Despised and esteemed not, the servant becomes a figure of sorrow and acquainted with grief, a demonstration of the pain and alienation inherent in the human condition. Yet this rejection is not the end of the story, but rather the beginning of a profound mystery of redemption. The servant's suffering is depicted not as a consequence of his own failings, but as a vicarious suffering for the sins of others. This narrative inversion confronts the reader to reconceptualize notions of power, glory, and redemption 
The astonishment of unbelief that opens Isaiah 53 thus aids as both an indictment of human hardness of heart and a prelude to the revelation of God's redemptive plan through the suffering of the servant. This passage invites the reader into a space of contemplation, to reckon with the depth of God's love manifested in the willingness of the servant to accept suffering and rejection for the sake of humanity's healing and redemption. It is a call to recognize in the despised and rejected servant the face of God's sacrificial love, a love that tests, convicts, and ultimately transforms. Also, Isaiah 53, 4, 6 unveils the thorough depth of the servant's vicarious suffering, a central motif that has intrigued and moved believers throughout the centuries. This passage, abundant in atonement theology, presents the servant as the epitome of divine love and justice, bearing the weight of humanity's transgressions to bring about reconciliation and healing. As we dive into this scripture, we encounter a theological and existential reality that demands our grasp of suffering, sacrifice, and salvation. The passage begins with an evocative description of the servant bearing our griefs and carrying our sorrows. This language, deeply rooted in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, points to the substitutionary nature of the servant's suffering. He absorbs the full brunt of human sinfulness, not as a distant deity, but as one intimately acquainted with the pain and brokenness of the world. This imagery of bearing and carrying accentuates the active, intentional aspect of the servant's suffering, affirming the proactive love of God in seeking to heal humanity's deepest wounds. As the passage unfolds, the depth of this suffering is further shown. The servant is described as being pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, language that vividly conveys the brutality of his sacrifice. The physicality of these descriptions, piercing and crushing, speaks to the tangible reality of the servant's suffering, a suffering that goes beyond metaphorical or spiritual dimensions to encompass the physical and existential totality of human sinfulness. This is not suffering for its own sake, but suffering with an intention, to bring peace and healing to a fractured creation. The central verse of this passage, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed, encapsulates the paradoxical nature of the servant's mission. The very instrument of his suffering becomes the means of our healing, turning the logic of retribution and justice on its head. This divine economy of grace, where wounds heal and punishment brings peace, invites us into a radical reimagining of our relationship with God and with one another. The passage concludes with a powerful assertion of collective guilt and divine initiative. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here the universality of human sinfulness is met with the universality of divine grace. The imagery of sheep going astray evokes themes of vulnerability and directionlessness, which are countered by the decisive action of God in laying upon the servant the iniquity of all. This act of divine intervention uncovers the center of the gospel, God's relentless pursuit of a wayward humanity, not to condemn, but to save. In cogitating on Isaiah 53, 4, 6, we are confronted with the unfathomable depth of God's love, a love that chooses to enter into the darkest places of human experience to bring light and life. The servant's vicarious suffering tries us to adopt a theology of the cross, where power is made perfect in weakness, and victory comes through surrender. As we ponder this passage, 
we are invited into a journey of faith that moves further mere intellectual ascent to a life-changing encounter with the one who was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by whose wounds we are healed. Moreover, in Isaiah 53, 7, 9, we witness the silent submission of the suffering servant, a description that transcends bare historical prophecy and touches the very core of divine mystery and redemption. This segment of the text portrays the servant's sojourn towards suffering and death with a stoic acceptance that is both haunting and acutely moving. Unlike any figure of power and authority familiar to our worldly experiences, the servant accepts oppression and affliction without protest, materializing the ultimate act of sacrificial love. The imagery of the servant being led like a lamb to the slaughter, silent before his shearers, evokes a deep sense of innocence and submission. This silence is not a feature of weakness or resignation, but a tribute to the servant's unwavering commitment to accomplishing God's redemptive plan for humanity. In a world where the instinctual response to injustice and suffering is to protest and defend oneself, the servant's silent acceptance of such a fate imposes our insight of power, justice and love. It is a silence that speaks volumes, disclosing the depth of divine love and the extent of the servant's sacrifice for the sins of humanity. Furthermore, this passage digs into the injustices faced by the servant, unfairly tried, unjustly condemned, and ultimately executed alongside the wicked, despite his innocence. Yet, even in death, the servant's grave is signified by a twist of divine irony as he is buried with the rich. This unexpected detail not only achieves prophetic scripture, but also illustrates the overturning of worldly values and expectations. The servant, despised and rejected in life, finds his resting place among the honored, a subtle yet powerful vindication of his righteousness and God's sovereign plan. Through the lens of the New Testament, Christians see the answer of this prophecy in Jesus Christ, whose life, death, and resurrection exemplify the silent submission and vicarious suffering foretold in Isaiah. Christ's adventure to the cross, characterized by silent submission to unjust suffering and death, reveals the focus of the gospel message, redemption through sacrificial love. His burial in a tomb provided by a wealthy follower further echoes the paradoxical honor bestowed upon the servant in death, highlighting the divine reversal of worldly fortunes and expectations. Considering on this passage invites believers to contemplate the depths of Christ's love and sacrifice. It challenges us to consider our own responses to suffering and injustice, encouraging us to deal with humility, trust in God's sovereignty, and participate in the redemptive love displayed through the silent submission of the suffering servant. This account, steeped in prophecy and fulfillment, remains a serious source of hope, inspiration and conversion for all who encounter it, calling us to a deeper faith and a more weighty knowledge of God's salvific work in the world. Last but not least, Isaiah 53, 10, 12 epitomizes the triumphant culmination of the servant's mission, a narrative arc that moves from profound suffering to glorious victory. This passage, replete with theological copiousness, discloses the divine paradox where ultimate triumph is achieved through vicarious suffering, presenting a description that radically alters our perception of victory and redemption. The passage begins with a striking declaration of the Lord's will, affirming that the suffering and death of the servant were not accidental, but integral to God's redemptive plan for humanity. The servant is made a guilt offering, 
a concept intensely rooted in the Levitical sacrificial system where the guilt offering was required to atone for sin, suggesting that the servant's death helps a similar expiatory meaning. This framing confronts the prevailing notions of divine justice and mercy, illustrating how God's righteous demands are met not through retribution, but through self-giving love and sacrifice. What follows is a profound declaration of the servant's resurrection and exaltation. The detail shifts from death to life, indicating that the servant's mission extends outside limits of the grave. His resurrection is not merely a return to life, but a vindication of his obedience and sacrifice, affirming the success of his mission to bear the iniquities of many. This resurrection supplies as a flare of hope, promising life and justification to those who align themselves with him. The imagery of seeing his offspring and prolonging his days indicates the generative and enduring impact of his sacrifice, maintaining the metamorphosis of believers into his spiritual lineage. In addition, the servant's triumph is amplified in the imagery of dividing the spoils with the strong, a motif evocative of ancient victory celebrations where the victor shares the plunder with his followers. This picture of victory and reward not only confirms the servant's exaltation, but also invites believers into a shared inheritance, a communal participation in the fruits of his victory over sin and death. The passage closes with the servant's intercession, a role that bridges the divine and human realms, ensuring that the benefits of his sacrificial victory extend to those he represents. This section of Isaiah presents a theological vision that is both demanding and comforting. It characterizes a God who achieves victory through suffering and exalts the humble, a narration that culminates in the providence of salvation to all who believe. This vision of triumph through suffering, summed up in the figure of the servant, gives a radical redefinition of power, glory, and redemption, inviting us to find in the servant's sacrifice the ultimate expression of divine love and the surest hope for eternal life. In summary, as we contemplate on the campaign through Isaiah 53, from the deep enigma of the suffering servant's mission to the triumphant culmination of his sacrificial work, we are invited to espouse the serious implications of this victory for our lives. The servant's account, identified by rejection, suffering and ultimate vindication, not only concludes ancient prophecy, but also presents the quintessential expression of God's redemptive love for humanity. This passage signals us to look beyond the superficial realizations of power and glory, drawing us into the deep currents of divine mercy and justice that flow through the root of the gospel. Further, having the suffering servant's victory means recognizing the paradox that true life comes through death and true exaltation comes through humility and submission. It tests us to see in the servant's silent suffering and vicarious sacrifice the pathway to our own redemption and sanctification. As believers, we are called not only to admire the servant from afar, but to participate in his sufferings, sharing in his death that we might also share in his resurrection life. The conclusion of Isaiah 53, therefore, is not slightly an endpoint, but a gateway into a deeper relationship with God, forged in the fires of suffering and sealed by the triumph of resurrection. It is an invitation to live in the light of the servant's victory, allowing his sacrificial love to shape our identifications, our relationships, and our mission in the world. By receiving the suffering servant's victory, we affirm that our greatest triumphs are not in our achievements, but in our surrender to the one who has conquered sin and death, inviting us into the everlasting joy of his kingdom.